Good. Everybody had their coffee? Good morning. All right. All right. Well, this morning we are uh, continuing our, our study in uh, Christians in the workplace. And uh, this morning we're going to be looking at seven purposes um, as well as a few pitfalls for our work and our interaction as Christians, followers of Christ in our workplaces. Uh, Last week we talked about our calling as Christians, and the big idea was that all believers are primarily called to salvation and discipleship, and that our second callings are our personal response to God's primary call, and that plays out in the way, uh, in how we do work and how we do our, uh, the things we do on a daily basis, uh, and it encompasses everything we do. Um, but we are going to concentrate on what we do in our workplaces, how we earn our livings today. Uh, the ways in which our particular skills, talents, and gifts are put to work providentially to, the, to love God and our neighbors. Uh, in this class, we want to outline uh, answer and outline answer that question by giving purposes that the Bible gives for us for working, as well as a few pitfalls. Okay, okay, uh, a few questions and uh, to kind of keep on your mind as we go through this this morning and. I want you to keep continuing to play these questions in your mind as, as we go through this material. What motivates you to work? And we're talking about your vocation today. We're talking about what you do to earn a living. Um, what motivates you to get up in the morning and go to your job? Uh, whether it be at an office or whether it be in your own home, uh, what, what gives you the motivation to get up and to do it? Um, is it the intrinsic motivation of your A-type personality? Is it because you love and enjoy your job? And I think most of us do it sometimes and really despise it at others. So that's a roller coaster at best. Um, is it the money that we can make at our jobs? Um, is it for your own self-worth and um, your identity in front of others? Um, is it for prestige, power, and fame, and influence that you have at your job? Um, what are you in it for? Um, that's what we're going to be looking at, and that's what we're going to be challenging ourselves with those questions. Uh, hopefully, you walk away from this lesson challenging yourself with those questions. Um, and I hope that we can all answer it the same way when we, at the end of the day. Um, the first of the seven purposes that we're going to look at is, is uh, our, our purpose for work is to, we work as God's representatives. And uh, this purpose really guides the rest of the purposes. It really encompasses all of the rest of the purposes and the, the rest of them flow out of this one. Uh, the first two chapters of Genesis are essentially for helping us to understand our work. When God first creates the world, it's formless and empty. But over the next six days, God forms and fills the earth uh, creatively and purposely, bringing order out of chaos. Um, Genesis 2.1 says, The heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. Uh, our God is a God who works. He is creative. Uh, he is a God who makes something out of nothing every day and brings order out of chaos by God's word all that we see from the planets and stars to the birds and the trees to the people and penguins uh, was brought into existence uh, throughout the Bible we see God's work continuing 
God continues to work in Christ uh, and through Christ to bring, out, uh, bring about salvation uh, to men um, and his people. And God's work culminates in the creation of a new heavens and new earth, which lays in front of us. Um, so our God is a God that works. Uh, his character is on display in the output of his work and also in the way he goes about, our, uh, about work. We learn that he is creative, kind, thoughtful, careful, and generous. Uh, we also see that his work was good. After each day of creation, God saw that it was good. After the sixth day, God saw that it was very good. So God's standard of work is very high as well. For God to say work is good uh, is a measure that uh, is perfect. Um, God calls us to work giving us an assignment, the task of ruling over and subduing the earth. Uh, Genesis 1, 1, 28 says that God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Our overarching job description is this, to be God's representatives and his image bearers as we rule over the earth. Uh, and so as we work, we show the world what God is like. Uh, let me pause for a minute and just kind of go uh, look at what um, really that means to be God's re- representative. And what we're talking about is uh, the commandment to have dominion over his creation. Um, he has given us authority over his creation. Um, much as a steward is given authority over the master's things and household. Um, there is, a, um, there is a, uh, a freedom of sorts to practice that authority in how you oversee the things that have been put under your stewardship, but there is absolutely at all times an, a responsibility to the actual owner, the actual master of the things. So we keep that in mind as we, we understand that we are stewards of this creation but we have been given authority to have dominion over it. Um, you know, one of the, the more fascinating aspects of, of Scripture in, in, in its whole is, uh, one, the synergy of, of Scripture and how Scripture enlightens Scripture, uh, which makes it incredibly difficult to compact uh, information into one lesson because we could go on for days just about this subject. But uh, one of the other fascinating uh, aspects of scripture is uh, or, or themes in scripture is a type and anti-type um, and when we look at our um, our responsibility at, at our workplace and what we produce with our hands uh, and and what God has given us as dominion over his creation um, it is a type of Christ's dominion and which is going to be put in full practice when he when he comes back and puts all things under his uh, under his authority um, and restores the earth to perfection um, so in again in Genesis one twenty eight we have the mandate to go and uh, to subdue the earth to be um, to have dominion over his creation we also uh, see it in um, psalms repeated um, in Psalms 8, uh, 3 through 8. Uh, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have ordained, 
What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you've crowned him with glory and honor. Uh, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beast of the field, birds of the air and fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. So uh, this is a an important uh, mandate that we have to to practice dominion over God's creation and to do it in a way that glorifies him. Um, but we see the anti the anti type Christ uh, spoken of in uh, uh, in Numbers, we see in the story of Balak trying to get uh, the prophet Balaam to curse Israel. And God gives uh, Balaam a, a vision of the coming one out of Jacob uh, or Israel that will have dominion over all. So uh, God speaks through Balaam about, about Christ and his coming dominion over, the, over everything. Um, and then we see it also in, in Psalms uh, 72, uh, the entire, uh, the entire chapter of 72 or Psalm of 72 is, um, is about Christ's dominion and, and the, le- and I won't read the entire one, read it later, but in Psalm 72, you'll see the standard of dominion that God, that Christ himself practices. Um, and it's, it is that that we're called to, uh, to practice that type of dominion. Um, and when we also see it in, uh, Habakkuk, um, spoken of in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea and speaking again of Christ and his coming dominion and the knowledge of Christ and his dominion uh, will will cover the entire earth when he comes back Um, so uh, we see that us or our dominion over uh, the world and 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 subduing it is is a is a type of and it is a demonstration to the world around us of the coming dominion of Christ. So uh, let's move to purpose number two. We work as an expression of love and worship of God. Um, and, and this one is, is, is primary to our understanding of our, our responsibility in the workplace. Um, and, and really... Uh, our understanding uh, of what worship is and where it fits into our lives. If we look at the Hebrew concept of work, um, it was very closely intertwined with the concept of worship. So the Hebrew understood that everything that he did reflected on his on his understanding, perception, and his view of of God Um, so it spoke very loudly to the world around him uh, about his view of God and so he was very careful about his work and what it said about God Um, and this will come up later as well in in these purposes but just to put an emphasis on um, the relationship of work and worship um, a few passage I want to go through Real quickly, um, Exodus chapter 34, um, the Lord says that for for you shall worship no other God for the for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Um, so the, and the scriptures replete with warnings about not worshiping any other than the one true God. And these are just a few of them. Deuteronomy chapter eight, 
then it shall be that if anybody, if if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, and the the Hebrew there for serve is translated to work to labor. So again, it's closely intertwined with worship. Uh, If you follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. This is a warning for Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, verse 16. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, another warning of destruction uh, for worshiping other gods and serving them. 1 Kings, another warning of destruction. But if you are, uh, or your sons at all, turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you but go and serve other gods and worship them he goes on to give them the warning of destruction uh, first chronicles uh, talks about giving the Lord uh, giving to the Lord the glory that is due his name and bring an offering uh, when you bring an offering and come before him uh, so it directs our work and points us to excellence in our work as well uh, Psalms 29, uh, again, seeking excellence in our worship, which is closely related to our work. Uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 8, a warning to, uh, to Israel to separate themselves from the eastern ways and the ways of the Philistines who worship the work itself and what they produced with their hands instead of worshiping God with what they, with their work and what they produce with their hands. Um, and and, and Isaiah, or God says through Isaiah, their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands and that which their fingers have made. Um, and so there's a warning, uh, again, with a destruction attached to it that they separate themselves from that. Um, Jeremiah 13, uh, verse 10, a warning against serving idols. Again, uh, um, calling them to, to worship the one true God with their lives, including the work that they produced. Um, and then in Jeremiah 25, do not go after other gods and serve them and worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, and I will not harm you. So there's a promise of protection if we worship God with our work and our hands, what we produce with our hands. So uh, there's a lot to say in the Bible about work and how it is a it is worship, um, it is a form of worship, uh, and it is a very, a very large form of worship. Uh, we spend most of our time doing our work, our daily work, um, during our waking hours. Most of our time is spent doing that. And so it, it follows to reason that, that, that it would be a primary source of worship. Um, so, uh, but in that... Uh, Got a little lost here, sorry. Uh, so how do we love God through our work? By working as if we were working for Him. Uh, because we are. The Bible makes this clear in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, where he says, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he has done. Um, We love God when we work with all our hearts. If you're a mother, 
Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. If you're a student, work at it with all your heart as if you are working for the Lord. If you're a wage earner, work at it with all your heart as if you are working for the Lord. Um, If you're retired, if you're unemployed, if you're a pastor, if you're a husband, you get the message. I mean, everything that we do, we do as if we were doing it and producing it for the Lord. Um, If we are truly to work at it with all our hearts as working for the Lord, our work will be dramatically different. Uh, We can encapsulate this notion in one word, which is excellence. And again, we've talked about this before uh, recently, just our, uh, our, uh, our call to pursue excellence in all that we do. Uh, our Lord, after all, deserves no less. Uh, the Bible calls us to the standard, not perfection, which assumes an absolute level of quality, but excellence, a standard that is related to our gifting. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, challenges us uh, to excellence like, like this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Uh, We love the Lord as we work with our excellence as working for the Lord. Uh, On a daily basis, are you more excited about the one who calls you to work or about the work itself? Uh, Cultivate a heart that actively worships God in your work. And again, this God's directive and commandment to us to not serve and worship other idols, other gods. Um, should resonate in our head as we as we think about what we do on a daily basis and we think about why we're doing it. Um, what motivates us to do it will dramatically uh, will dramatically affect the outcome of what we do. Um, God's expectation of worship is that it be acted out in all areas of man's life, especially in the area that we refer to as work or employment. Um, And we need to be very careful to understand this and practice it lest we unknowingly worship and serve other gods. As the Philistines did. Um, Purpose number three is we work as a way to love others. Uh, Work is a normal mechanism that God has chosen to provide for our daily needs. Uh, And we consider God's kindness in creating us to work. Uh, It is through our work that God cares for all mankind. Not by zapping things into their hands every day, but by through the process called work. Uh, Martin Luther said, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give us this day our daily bread. And he does give us our daily bread. He does it by the means of the farmer who planted and harvested the grain, the baker who made the flour into bread, and the person who prepared our meal. Uh, God gives us our daily bread through the work of others, which he calls them to. Um, This, in part, is how we fulfill the second great commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, is found in Mark chapter 12. Um, so we see, just like in our other idea of worship, in corporate worship, that our worship in our work also affects our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, directly, not indirectly. Um, because in effect, the product that we are producing is going to be used by God to produce Um, the gifts that he's going to give other brothers and sisters. So um, the fourth purpose is, and and the fourth purpose is closely related to the third person, the third purpose, which is to work in as a way of to love others. But purpose number four is that we work for money so that we won't be a burden. Um, So far, all these purposes have applied to any work we do, not just our jobs, but here is one 
that is specific to our vocation, specific to our jobs, uh, whatever we do to earn a wage to support our family. Um, it's through money that we provide for our needs and the needs of our family and for the needs of others around us, including the needs of the church. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 that if a man will not work, he shall not eat. And Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 12 that he who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Um, I have experienced both of those. <laughs> uh, Paul writes again in Ephesians chapter 4 that he who, has been, he who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Uh, it glorifies God to work as a means to provide for your family and to be a blessing to others. You can take satisfaction and work with all your heart as for Christ in a job that provides for your family and allows you to be involved in the church and in the lives of others, but might not be the most personally fulfilling and financially lucrative job you could have. Um, it's a good thing to lead a quiet life. Um, this particular motivation for, for work is surprisingly uh, countercultural. Um, because like the Philistines in Judah in Judah's time, and uh, our culture has, has made careers and the American dream into the primary idols of this nation. And it has affected the church body in, in America. And we are, at the very least, and or at best, we are distracted by these idols on a daily basis. We are told by our culture, uh, by our bosses, by our co-workers, by uh, media, that it is a good thing to pursue a career and identify ourselves, uh, measure our success by our level in our career and our success in our career, and therefore putting the career um, as the idol and the motivation for our work. Um, and this is precisely what God warns Judah not to do. Um, so this is something we have to continually remind ourselves of, um, especially in our culture here in America. Um, you know, the, the daily equipping every day, getting up and finding ourselves in the Word of God and putting on the armor of God um, and, and, and fastening the belt of truth around us so that we, can, that we can have the correct worldview and the correct view of our vocation and what we do all day that day through the lens of how does this reflect on my God? Um, because, again, we are stewards. Um, everything that we have and do is for our God and reflects on our faith in God. Um, so know that it is counter to everything that the world is going to teach you and try to thrust on you. So, um, and knowing's half the battle, right? Uh, I think that in general, uh, those in the working class jobs get this purpose right. It's a little easier to get it if you're working in a, uh, a, a career or a job that where you're you're using your hands. It's not, um, maybe not the most prestigious, uh, visible uh, job where you get a lot of praise and uh, accolades. Um, so it's, it's easier to keep this humility in those types of jobs. Um, but often for those that are, that are in 
white collar, what we call white collar careers or executive careers or careers where um, there are a lot of accolades or you, you get a lot of visibility uh, when you have successes. This is a tougher task uh, to keep ourselves grounded in our motivation for striving for excellence in those careers. The Bible says that our main meaning as humans is not to be found in our jobs. It's to be found in Christ. And so working for money, uh, for the money you earn, is, an, is actually a key motive. So working for the money you earn is actually a key motive for us to spend that money on ourselves so that we won't be a burden to others, which again is purpose four, and to provide generously for others, which accomplishes again purpose number three, which is to love others. So how are we doing at this point? Um, if you do a self-evaluation, you know, kind of look at your motives for uh, striving for excellence in your careers. Why do you get up and go to work? Are you overemphasizing the passion you have or the perfect fit in your work or underemphasizing the money you make? Uh, if you're motivated, motivated by money, you are using it primarily for yourself as a tool to bless others. Are you using it as a tool to bless others? Uh, employment is a mechanism God has chosen to sustain us and to bless others. Purpose number five, we work to adorn the gospel. Uh, this one actually I found it to be very closely tied to purpose number one, to be a representative of God. Uh, we are adorning the gospel. We are being the fragrance of Christ. We are adorning, uh, we are adorning Christ. We are representatives of Christ. Um, so, a lot of those reasons will, will uh, overlap. When we work in ways that image God's authority, excellence, creativity, and love, we silence those who might derogatorily say, all Christians are like X. Um, and with our lives, back up the gospel, which we confess with our lips. Referring to the work we do to submit to governing authorities, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. And in Titus, Paul says in chapter 2, Paul writes uh, about first century slaves who are similar to us as modern employees. Uh, and he says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything, uh, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal for them, from them, but to show them, show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Um, Making the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. That's a good goal for work. That's a good motivator. Um, how you work says something, says a lot about who you serve. Um, your attitude and ethic in the workplace can, can be the aroma that adorns the gospel. And so the question is, what do you smell like at work? Um, We're pretty good at smelling those in the workplaces that are more interested in themselves and others who care more about getting ahead than helping us along. Uh, we want to be the aroma of Christ and to adorn the gospel in our workplaces. Okay, purpose number six. We work for our enjoyment. Yes, God wants us to enjoy what we do. Um, and really, all of the purposes prior to this one uh, should bring us to this point, should provide for this purpose. 
Because if we are honoring God in our work, if we are adorning the gospel, um, if we are serving our brothers and sisters, if we are providing for our families, if we are not a burden on others, all of these things should bring peace and joy in our lives uh, because we are honoring God. Uh, You know, we all have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us if we are, in fact, in Christ. And if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, then what grieves the Holy Spirit will grieve us naturally. And on the flip side of that, what brings honor and glory to the Holy Spirit and to God and what brings pleasure to Him will also bring pleasure to our spirit. So our wills are aligned with God's in that way. Um, In His kindness, God allows us to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Moses writes in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that, God, that, that it is God who gives the ability to produce wealth. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that God provides us with everything for our, our enjoyment. Don't let that confuse you into thinking that God is um, a cosmic butler who is there at your every whim and wants to make you happy. God is a God that wants to make you holy. But His holiness that, that again will bring joy to a Christian's heart. Um, We serve a generous God, and so even as He allows us to enjoy what He has given us, we should also consider how we can be generous to others. Again, accomplishing other purposes for work. Have you experienced this type of satisfaction in your work? If so, it is a small taste of the satisfaction God experienced in creating the world. Enjoying our work and enjoying the fruits of our labor brings glory to God because it shows that his plan, his plan that we should work, is in fact good and satisfying. So take time to thank God for the work that he gives you. And purpose number seven, the final purpose that we're talking about today, is we work as an act of faith. Um, Proverbs chapter 19 says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Um, Work hard and work smart, but above all, trust God. He is the one who promises to take care of all of our needs. So we don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Um, Proverbs chapter 21 also says that the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests in the Lord. Um, Paul reminds us that our work should be an act of worship and and of faith. Uh, He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will not receive an inheritance, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Um, That's found in Colossians. In other words, Paul is saying that no matter what you do, what matters most is who you work for. As a slave, you're not just serving your earthly master. As an employee, you're not just serving your boss. You're serving the master of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, 
there's a lot of freedom in this. There's a lot of liberty in this. Uh, when you begin to view your occupation, your job in, in this way. Uh, I remember um, sitting in front of a, uh, a new boss who was kind of interviewing me after I got the job. And it was a, a, a business lunch and he took me and he was just really grilling me. And I knew he was. Um, and he started questioning my motivations for work. And, and it really he was trying to get at, uh, was I going to be a dependable and obedient uh, employee, one that he could count on to follow through uh, with directions that he had given me? Um, and, and I knew this. But at this point in my life, I, had, uh, I was fresh out of my road to Damascus meeting, and I was... Uh, I was... Uh, heavily into the word every every single morning and 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 there was a change in my life that that resulted in my change uh changed view of what i did for a living and the liberty that i'm talking about the freedom that i've been talking about was no longer in that situation which would have worried me before this time uh, because i've been on pins and needles every day about why is he asking me these questions and does he have a standard that I can't live up to? Am I going to get fired tomorrow? Um, but I had a peace about it now because I knew, and I told him as such, I said, look, um, the standard that I work towards is to glorify God. I may or may not satisfy your desires for me in that pursuit. And I'm okay with that. And I won't, uh, go against that. Um, my actions, my decisions will be guided by my desire to glorify God. And if those contradict what your desires are, then we'll part ways, and I'm okay with that. Um, that was an absolute peace about that for me. Um, no longer did I have to to, to worry about succeeding at work because I knew that the standard that I had set that God had set for me was so much higher than any standard any boss earthly boss could set for me that I no longer had to worry about satisfying a boss um, there's a lot of peace in that um, but we come to the, the fall and I don't have a whole lot of time left here to, to spend on this but the fall and its effects on our work. Um, just like there are uh, purposes, there are also pitfalls uh, in our work. And um, because uh, we don't always, it do, excuse me, rather than feeling the satisfaction of bringing order out of chaos, we feel the frustration of a chaotic workplace. And rather than seeking our work as worship, we see it as the arena that is immensely different from the worship that we do on Sundays. Um, why don't our motivations resemble the picture in Genesis 1 and 2? And I would, I would answer that by saying that, that because we have, in a lot of ways, taken on those eastern ways that, that God warned Israel about or Judah about, um, and, and we have taken on the ways of the Philistines, and we have a lot of times placed our career and our jobs on the altar that we worship instead of God himself. Um, God, 
the reality is that we work in a fallen world. Um, and we are going to struggle with these things. We're going to struggle with keeping God um, at the top of our motivations and, and keeping him as the only God that we worship. Um, God has cursed the ground and he has cursed childbearing and child rearing. And the effects were devastating. Uh, work in this world can and will be hard, painful and tedious. And at times can also feel futile. Uh, you mow the grass today and it grows back tomorrow. Um, what you put together with your hands and is so beautiful today, tomorrow um, has deteriorated and needs to be built and redone again. And a lot of times, somebody else will redo, most times, somebody else will redo the work that you were so proud in doing at one time. And so these provide pitfalls. Um, Simply put, the pitfalls that we face are we either make an idol of our work, which we've talked about, or we find ourselves idle at work. Um, And we've talked about that as well. Um, The first pitfall, making idolatry of work. Uh, Again, um, it's the motivation. What is motivating you to go to work? Is it to glorify God or is it the work itself? Is it to glorify God or is it the product that you can produce at work? Is it to glorify God or is it the prestige that this job will give you? Is it to glorify God or is it the money and the things that you'll be able to enjoy with that money that you could make at that job? Um, These are the idols that we tend to put back up in front of God time and time again and we have to bring ourselves back from The second pitfall is idleness at work. Um, being idle at work some, uh, sometimes simply means just being lazy. Sitting at a desk and doing nothing, but often it's more of a mindset that has wrongly decided that work doesn't really matter, that it's just a rat race after all, that the only real purpose of it is to buy us time to pay the bills so we can get on with the things that God really cares about. Um, Just as we can over-identify with our work, we can also under-identify with our work. So there's ditches on both sides of this road. And we can care too little about it and tend to function, uh, uh, tend to functional idleness. It's a mindset that says that if if I'm not passionate about my work, I don't need to give it my all. It's a slackivism, if you will, uh, that consistently does not only does only the minimum required and it fails to recognize the value God intends for me to accomplish in the workplace oftentimes believing that my value as a Christian is restricted to what I do on nights or weekends so just like we can think too much about what we do we can think too little of what we do um we said earlier that that Sometimes having blue-collar jobs or uh, jobs where you work with your hands and don't have a lot of uh, visibility aids you in, in, in remaining humble. But on the flip side of that, it also is easier for you if, you if you are in those careers or fields to think too little of what you do. Um, so our call is not to a certain profession or a certain occupation, but it is a call on all of us to do whatever we do 
to the standard God has set before us, which is to glorify him with our with our hands and what we do uh, and to be the fragrance of Christ in the arena that we are finding ourselves in where we are producing uh, glorifying work um, and to love others while we're there, to provide for others needs while we're there, um, to provide for our families in that work. Um, so there are a lot of ways to glorify God in our work, regardless of what we're doing. Um, and I told you to, to keep asking yourself a, a question throughout this lesson, and we'll end on that, lesson, on that question, which is, what motivates you to go and to do what you do? And how does that affect the product that you produce, whatever that product is? And what does that product say about your God? One, does it say that you are worshiping the one true God? Or does it say that you're worshiping the product or the prestige or the money? And if it says that you are at least worshiping the one true God, to what extent have you dedicated your life to him? And to what level do you hold yourself and do you view God in a high enough way that what you produce is excellent in everything um, so that it will glorify God to its full potential. Um, I'll end on that. Does anybody have any questions or comments or corrections, exhortations, prayers, <laughs> any of the above? Well, the the irony of this has not been lost on me that I am teaching a, a lesson on work and Christians in the workplace when on a daily basis I go to a shop 100 yards from my front door and usually am by myself. <laughs> so uh, it, it's been, but that's not really the purpose of this lesson, is it? It's about the work that I'm producing and how it, what it says about me. And uh, so um, I hope that this lesson will will affect you from this day forward, will affect your thinking and your worldview uh, when you go out into your workplace tomorrow. Let me close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Um, I thank you for these purposes. I thank you for uh, the, the opportunities to learn more about your character, about your truth, um, through the careers and, uh, and occupations that you have put before us. And Father, we do live in a... Um, a very distracting culture, one that uh, turns our attention away constantly and daily, away from your glory and away, away from our pursuit and our desire to glorify you in everything that we do. And instead, it teaches us to departmentalize our entire life and that we should put our worship in a box on a certain day or days and not include it in everything that we do. But Lord, we know the truth. We've heard the truth. And uh, Lord, we ask that, that, that your spirit would drive us to a higher standard, that we would strive for excellence, that your fragrance would be strong in our communities and in our workplaces, and that we would represent Christ well, um, and that we would glorify you with all that, we, all that we do. We thank you for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and we thank you for the forgiveness that is available to us through Christ. We love you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.